Hello and welcome to Ditching Hourly. I'm Jonathan Stark. And today I am joined by a guest, Emily O'Meara. Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So for folks who maybe haven't heard your name before, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, I am a positioning consultant for startups who are in the cloud native ecosystem. And basically what this means is that I help technical founders who are creating products for other software engineers usually describe their product, describe what they do, figure out what, what the core value that they provide is and articulate it in a way that makes sense to their audience and also to segment their market. So figure out who is going to find the most value in their product or service. Killer. All right, great. So we were chatting and you had mentioned that you were using LinkedIn for prospecting. So connecting with folks in that target market to, uh, you know, potentially see if there was a good fit between you and them. And it sounded like you're having really good results from that. So I asked and you agreed to come on the show and share a little bit of how that went, what you did, um, sort of the high level strategy that you employed, and then, you know, any specific tactics that you think others might benefit from. Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing I wanted to say was that when you first mentioned this and said it seemed like I was really successful with LinkedIn and other people might benefit, my first reaction was, what, who, me? (laughs) Uh, And I think that that is because uh, LinkedIn is usually talked about as a social network, and uh, I am not a social network person. I like haven't used Facebook. I do have an account, but I haven't used Facebook for like years. And I just, I'm I'm just not a social network person and I don't use LinkedIn like a social network. So usually, so if you do a Google search and you search like how to get the most out of LinkedIn, you'll get a bunch of results that refer to LinkedIn's social Mm networky-ness. So it'll be stuff like respond to comments within 24 hours or things like that. This is not what I do at all. Um, Not to say that I never post things on LinkedIn. I do, um, but I would not say that's where my success comes from. However, I uh, use LinkedIn extremely heavily every day and I use it to connect with people who are in my target market, um, both people who are potential buyers of my services and other people who are interesting. So I have a podcast, it's called The Business of Cloud Native. And one of the things I use LinkedIn for is to find potential guests. And uh, in general, just to connect with people in the industry. Oh, I should also mention, I write for the new stack. Um, My way back background is as a journalist. Uh, So I write for the new stack, which is a, a tech publication. I also use LinkedIn very heavily to find people to talk to. Um, and so what you're noticing though, is that I use LinkedIn to find people. And this is what LinkedIn is all about. It is a place to find people and to be found. And so ideally you want to make it easy to find you and also know how to use LinkedIn in order to find the people that you might want to connect with. So that's where I think LinkedIn's magic is. It's not about posting stuff and like commenting on it and stuff. Maybe there's magic there for someone else, but not for me. Hmm. So how, let's drill into how to make it easy for people to find you. I think you just said, how do you, how did you do that? Or what do you do around that? Um, yeah. So I have a couple of really good examples here actually from today. Um, but the, <laughs> the bottom line is that you want to make it so that in your sort of top level, level description of what you do, you know, sometimes this will be like 
software engineer at Bank of America. <laughs> uh, that that's actually not terrible. So let's say that I'm looking for I'm writing a story and I need a source who's a software engineer at a financial institution. Boom, mm. I'm going to send you a message. Uh, that's not the worst LinkedIn title ever, right? If your LinkedIn title is like breaking things or <laughs> yeah. dumpster diving, right? Some people get really creative about these things, right? Um, mm -hmm. So if yours is dumpster diving, that probably means that you're like an angel investor. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> the key is that you want it to be pretty clear what you do and why somebody might reach out to you. Um, the example actually from today is that I got a, a connection request from somebody and their title said abogado. So abogado means lawyer in Spanish. Mm. Um, I, I have a fairly large network of people not really related to my profession, um, but people that I know in Spanish speaking countries. I lived in Nicaragua. I lived in Spain. Anyway, but still, I saw this and I was like, eh, do I need a lawyer in a Spanish speaking country? No. Is this somebody that I need to talk to? Probably not. But I wasn't very busy. So I clicked on his profile and boom, it turns out this guy who happens to be in Argentina specializes in open source software licensing. Mm. I want to have this guy on my podcast. I've been looking for somebody like this. Mm. I would have ignored it if I hadn't been having kind of a slow morning and was looking for ways to waste time. <laughs> right. And right. that would have sucked both for me and for him. Right. So the takeaway here is like something that's really vague or clever, but not clear is you're just, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. Exactly. And, and even something that maybe we don't think of as super vague, something like lawyer. Um, nobody looks for just a lawyer. Usually they look for a lawyer who does something specific. So as specific as possible. Uh, you know, and we could get into, you know, do you make it actionable? Do you just have it be a noun or whatever? But I think for most people, just making it something that's going to be clear to whoever your target audience is, that's going to improve like it dramatically. Right, right. Yeah, I think of it as is wearing a t-shirt to a barbecue that says, you know, whatever, uh, whatever you want people to talk to you about. So if I feel like talking about martial arts, just say like, I'll wear like a black belt t-shirt and people who care about that, if that's what I want to talk about, I'm not interrupting anybody or, you know, bugging anyone. But if someone wants to talk about that or ask me about that, they've got the opening. It's almost like there's an icebreaker right there. And I think of kind of, I, the way I think of LinkedIn is similar to you. It's, it's less about the social networking part and more about finding people. You put it great. And when I'm sort of moving around LinkedIn, I want to always have this t-shirt on or, or Twitter, or wherever else. I always want to have the t-shirt on that is broadcasting the thing that I want to talk about or the thing that I could potentially help with or, you know, whatever the conversation starter is. Yeah, so, absolutely. And that's also because, you know, if you look at somebody's profile, your name and your little bio can pop up mm -hmm. uh, and they could see that and that could be awesome or it could be totally meaningless. <laughs> right. And that that I think it's technically I think it's called your headline. It's that little tagline that goes underneath your name and your face in uh, just so many widgets all across the uh, application, the LinkedIn site. Uh, that that little snippet sh and and you know it's only it's shorter than a tweet it's probably like 60 characters before it, before it truncates uh, in some places so you want it to be really clear and concise 
and you know things like ceo author speaker big thinker it's like okay i guess i mean maybe someone's looking for that uh, but i yeah i completely agree with your well so that's what you're saying so your approach is that yours was very very specific right like your your t-shirt yeah my t-shirt is very specific um also um it's funny, I'm trying to think like, do I use LinkedIn more to get inbound leads or more to do outbound marketing? I do both. Mm -hmm. I mean, I certainly pay quite a bit of attention to what my t-shirt says, <laughs> um, but I um, just, I think partially my personality, I, I have kind of a salesperson personality. So I, I think a lot about outbound marketing. Mm -hmm. And when I think about what I use LinkedIn for, that's what I think about. And like everything that comes inbound, like that's just gravy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so actually what I wanted to talk about next was finding people because that's where I think LinkedIn is really freaking amazing. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so the first thing that I want to say is LinkedIn is not going to help you if you have either of these two problems. One, you're terrified of reaching out to people <laughs> or two, uh, you have no idea who you should be reaching out to. Uh, either one of those two problems, LinkedIn won't help. Um, if you're terrified of reaching out to people, you probably should go get a job. <laughs> um, you said it, not me, <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, yeah. I used to be a journalist and this is one thing that I, I'm not afraid of reaching out to people, I think partially because of the experience as a journalist. Right. Um, anyway, so I'm going to talk first about the idea of focusing on who you should be uh, reaching out to and how to use LinkedIn for that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then obviously you can't be afraid to just follow through. Um, right. But LinkedIn is this really amazing directory. And I think some of this functionality actually is only available if you pay for it. So apologies. I obviously pay for LinkedIn because I think it's worth it. Mm -hmm. um, but it has this, these really granules, granular uh, search capabilities. So let's say, for example, that you know that your buyer is, is their general job title is director of data engineering. Mm -hmm. You can search. Oh, wait, first of all, you need to know what type of company. So um, this, this is actually something that LinkedIn isn't super helpful with, but Outside of LinkedIn, you should be able to focus your marketing efforts on some sort of criteria. Um, so in my case, like companies that are in the cloud native ecosystem, I would look at sponsor lists for various different conferences, sponsor lists for different publications that I know are in this ecosystem. That's how I find my sort of list of companies that I'm in the target. Mm -hmm. And then I have a particular buyer persona. In my case, it's the, the founder or the CEO. Um, I'm going to, in, in my case, it's actually pretty easy. Usually they're small companies, so it's not that challenging to find. Um, but let's say you are um, selling to larger companies. If you're selling to a company and, or to a type of company and they're going to have like 3000 employees, it's actually very challenging without LinkedIn to figure out who is the person in the job title who would be your buyer. Hmm. If you do have LinkedIn, and it's very easy because you can search for director of data engineering and you will get a name that pops up. Boom. You've just saved yourself a ton of time. <laughs> However, if you don't know what type of company you want to be selling to, or you don't know what their job, what the buyer's job title is, it's worthless. Right. So how do you figure that out? Figure what out? 
who you want to sell to and what their job title like like how did you decide that you wanted to go after the ceo or founder of companies in the cloud native ecosystem um right so first we'll start with the cloud native ecosystem part um that uh now I have to think, how did I get into this industry? <laughs> <laughs> um, it was sort of organic and it was sort of uh, not organic. Um, I should mention that I am not an engineer of any kind, um, but I had done um, technology journalism and I really liked it. So I started writing for the new stack, largely because one of the editors had went to the same journalism school that I did. Hmm. And... There was that also, I noticed that they worked with a former client of mine. Um, and then I, uh, so I started writing there and I just, I find it really interesting. I had done technology journalism before that. Um, and at that point, uh, I was mostly doing marketing writing. And at that point, my buyer in an organization would have been the VP of marketing usually. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's, you know, figuring out exactly who your buyer is. There's a little bit of common sense. There's also a little bit of trial and error. Mm -hmm. And you have to, to like look at who in your, um, in your customer base. I mean, so unless you're totally new starting out, you actually should be pretty clear on who your buyer is. So there's going to be some commonality among your, among your clients. And uh, yeah, unless this is like, really you're just just starting you should have a pretty good idea of what that buyer persona is right well you do actually you do positioning so how do you help your clients do this how do, how do you help them figure out who their buyer is i think so when you're selling a product the the products that i'm usually helping companies position uh, could theoretically have different buyers in, inside of an organization and so part of the process is figuring out which of those buyers is going to actually get them the most value. So the, the first step is there's often a, a difference between the user and the buyer. So in, again, in my client's case, um, and like that's one of the differences between being a consultant, I think, um, you're less likely to have different, have a disparity between buyer and user. So with my with with my my clients when they're identifying their target buyer, often there's a difference between the user and the buyer. Uh, there are usually at least two or three different potential buyer, depending on what value your um, what value in the the product you're deciding to emphasize right. and how you're positioning. You know how you're positioning, which means like what, what market category label you're, you're slapping on your product. So the, the buyer figuring out who the buyer would be, would be like the, one of the last steps in the process. And it would be fairly natural as long as we've done the, the first part of the process where we're identifying which value is most important, what the relationship between the user and the buyer is then it would be fairly obvious. You know, you could maybe argue about, is it a VP level or is it a director level? That's a little bit less important. But thinking about, so for example, is it like platform engineering or is it development? Those, right. That's the distinction if for my clients that's important. That makes sense. Okay, yeah. So I, I do see that that's pretty different than like a, someone selling services. Um, okay, so once you know who your 
looking to connect with, looking mm-hmm. to find, and you've got maybe some idea of a title, you've got maybe a, a company size. Is that another common? What, what are some of the other search criteria you'd use? Um, so honestly, before I go to LinkedIn, I would have my list of companies. I don't know. I don't know how you would use LinkedIn to find a list of companies. You probably can. Um, Mm -hmm. I just, I never have. So that's where Um, you'd use the sponsor list from the conferences and publications and stuff. Yep. So what I use LinkedIn for is to uh, find the person who's in the job title that I'm, that I'm interested in contacting the, the, the job title. That's my buyer at a specific company at, at a specific company. Cool. And then, Oh, by the way, it is possible that there could be multiple buyers, even as a consultant. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty loose about my LinkedIn standards. So let's say <laughs> there's, a, there's a CEO, a VP of marketing, and a VP of sales. So my ideal buyer is the CEO. The VP of sales and the VP of marketing are also going to feel positioning pain. I will connect with them too. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then once they do, you, do you put anything in that connection request, or is it like a blind connection? Uh, it all depends. Um, so, like I said, I use LinkedIn for a variety of different things, um, connecting with target with my target buyers, um, trying to get people on my podcast, trying to interview people for for articles. Um, I if I'm just doing if I'm just doing sort of LinkedIn prospecting. All I do is I send a connection request. That's it. Yep. If, um, and incidentally, if, if you have a, a giant fear of reaching out to people, this is a pretty low ask. So <laughs> maybe this does help you get over that. Right. Um, if I'm, if I'm trying for something else, so if I'm trying to get someone on my podcast or whatever, I'll usually send them an email. Oh, okay. Or I'll send them a note with the, uh, with the connection request you know it all depends like actually i had a guy on my podcast last week and his linkedin headline basically says like do not send me a connection request unless i know you (laughs) and i didn't know him so i was like well darn i'm not going to send him a connection request but he'd be a great podcast guest um so i because i had read the description of the things he's interested in and i was like that's exactly what my podcast is about so I didn't send him a con- connection request. I sent him an email <laughs> and, uh, and he responded, you know, like 30 minutes later and he went on my podcast okay. and, uh, you know, it also just goes to show that if you can send somebody a connection request or um, an email and you make it clear that you're offering something that they need, that you're relatively, you know, that you took some time to read their profile, you can get a ton of information from their profile. So, you know, you're reaching out to somebody who's like clearly super busy. And I think he's, in addition to being an analyst, I think he might be an investor, whatever, bottom line, like he probably has gobs of money (laughs) and, uh, you know, tons of people who want to connect with him and bother him for whatever reason, but not that many people who are going to say, you know, Hey, I saw you have like three bullet points in your description of things that you're interested in. And my podcast is about two of those three. So do you want to come on? (laughs) When, if you can send somebody a message like this, that they do not get a message like that every day. And they'll usually pay attention, even if they're very busy people. Yeah. And this is one of the great, I totally agree with that. And it, it's, and I'm on the receiving end of that sometimes too. And when it's clear that the person has done a little bit of homework and they're, they're asking a relevant 
question or making a relevant request, I'm way more open to to reading it and like taking them seriously than one of these like check out my portfolio and like a link of you know a list of like five links like they're giving me homework to do to like maybe give them money it's like that is not going to happen mm-hmm. so uh, uh, but the the thing i really want to point out is this is one of the great reasons to have a podcast even if you don't care about creating a big podcast audience because it gives you something to invite people to it's like hey could i kind of put you on a pedestal for a half an hour and you can regale us with your expertise in this space and the people who are listening are going to be the exact kind of people who care about this thing that you care about. So, you know, you can connect them. And like connecting people is a big deal, you know, especially I was about to say these days, I don't just mean like pandemic. I mean, just in the, the knowledge economy or whatever you want to call it, the connection economy, the passion economy, whatever this economy is that we're in, connecting people, leading people. These are the kinds of things that create real value. So, you know, and, and oh, by the way, when they come on the podcast, they get to know you, you create a relationship with them. Uh, you've kind of done each other a mutual favor. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that's how it works. That's how it works with me. But, you know, now that you've had a, you know, maybe a half an hour, an hour long phone call with this person, that's a big difference between some rando just sending them a connection request against their will. Yep, that is exactly right. And I, I, I wanted to add about the podcast because I love having a podcast too, that you learn a lot and it ends up presuming that your podcast isn't somehow related to the work that you do. Uh, you learn a lot of stuff that you would not otherwise know. And that increases your value to your clients. Mm, excellent. Cool. So start a podcast, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here on the podcast. <laughs> Um, okay, so where where so you send out either a blind connection request or an invite of some kind either to the podcast or for an interview, and what generally happens next? Mm, good question. Um, so actually, I wanted to talk about one thing, one other feature of LinkedIn beforehand um, before mm-hmm. I get into that, and that's the connections in common um, widget. Mm-hmm. And uh, I bring that up because. That is one of the things that I think is really cool about LinkedIn. Uh, it's sort of directory in, in, in terms of it being a directory uh, and also part of the magic when you're really focused on a very small market because it starts to be that you're sending blind connection requests, but you're sending them to somebody with whom you have 50 connections in common or 100 connections in common. And so that person sees that and they're like, oh, look, I have 100 connections in common with this person. I, I'll say yes, like e- even if e- even if they don't really like getting a connection requests, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it it changes the ask a little bit. Um, so I just wanted to point that out. That is a benefit that only only accrues when you're focused on a very narrow market. Um, but it is real. And at this point, I don't think. It's not true that I never send a connection request to someone I don't have any other any connections in common to, but it's quite rare. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, usually like at least a handful. Um, I do wish LinkedIn had a way to like like surface everybody who I had at least a hundred connections in common with. If I could do that, I would like send connections to everybody with whom I have a, a certain number of connections in common with. That mm-hmm. feature doesn't exist. Um, but anyway, so I just wanted to, to highlight that, that that's, that's one of the ways that, that uh, LinkedIn can really work and really help you uh, build a network, but it only works if you're in a, a fairly small niche. Right. 
Great. Yeah. Great point. I totally agree. I, I do the same thing. Like when I see someone like oh, 44 connections in common, I'm like, accept, you know? Exactly. Right. Um, okay. So then, so with that said, um, uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I can guess what happens next, but could you sort of tell, give us the range of things that could happen next or, or if there are any sure. follow-up actions that you would do? Oh, the, the range of things that happen next is nothing. Um, mm-hmm. they ignore your request. Um, they look at your profile and proceed to ignore your request. Um, they accept your request. Um, they accept your request and send you a, a message that you, they want to talk to you, you know, in the next hour. Is that possible? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, these are all outcomes that have happened. Um, the first thing that I just want to make sure to stress, uh, because I know consultants like to stress about this is that, uh, it's okay if people ignore your connection request. It's also okay if they look at your profile and then ignore your connection request, uh, even though that is the one that hurts worse. <laughs> um, and, and in fact, you should expect that both of those things will happen. Um, and uh, the so LinkedIn does have this feature. You can see everyone who has looked at your profile and if I'm like really feeling like I need to get more work or something, I'll follow up with people who looked at my profile. Mm -hmm. I haven't done that for a while, but it it can, it can get people to hire you that maybe they just got distracted by something else. Um, But uh, then there will be a certain number of people who, who see you check out your profile, send you a message. That's like, oh my God, I was looking for somebody like you. Can we schedule a discovery call? When's the earliest that we can talk? Um, that happens. And yeah. um, it, it definitely happens. Uh, I would say when I do like a big blind connection request sort of campaign, I always I, I, I always book myself up. Uh, really I'm pretty booked up usually, but um, <laughs> if I need to get booked up, that's what I would do. Right. And I, I know someone else who has an extremely specific headline. It's it's just like laser focused to a specific type of individual. And they went same thing when they send out a connection request, he gets, he'll get like replies like, here's my phone number. Can you call me right now? Yeah, I totally believe it. Yeah. But it's because it's because he's laser focused on who he's trying to connect with and, uh, and you know, what his services are for, the, the, his ideal buyers. He's laser focused on it, like right down to a job title. And uh, he's not afraid to, you know, like you, he's not afraid to uh, send out those requests. So when the value proposition is that clear and he's he's laser focused on the pain that he solves. So he, first he knew like, oh, you know, I've got a client like this. I'd like to get more clients like that. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna reach out to people and I'm going to update my headline in, in a way that folks like that, as soon as they see my face and my name and that headline, they're going to know that how I can help. And it's like, then it just becomes a numbers game. Connect with a hundred people and you're going to get, you know, three or four that are like, please, can we talk right now? Yep. That's, and I think I, I also wanted to mention the numbers game because if you send out five connection requests, you'll get possibly no anything. Uh, but, you know, it is a certain amount, the numbers game, because you do, e- even somebody who is your your target buyer, um, who really needs your your service, that person may or may not be in the space that they are able to act on it right now immediately 
it might be six months from now that they're able to act on it. And uh, that's okay. But if you hit enough people, then you'll be able to, then, you know, somebody will be in the right moment and, and able to act. And probably like, this is probably like, connecting with them is probably checking something off of their to-do list that they didn't even know how to address. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like doing them a favor. Yeah. Th- there's a, a great passage in, I think it's the Chet Holmes book, Ultimate Sales Machine, where he talks about, um, he was like, if, if you're uh, in a room of a hundred people, probably only 3% are active in the active shopping, like preparing to buy any given thing. So like if you go to a room and say, Hey, who is actively shopping for a car right now? Probably buy a car in the next week, three hands go up. How many people are planning on remortgaging their house in the next, you know, month, three hands go up, you know? So like if you connect with a hundred people that are, you know, likely to be in your target market or specifically, you know, their job title, um, is, you know, probably going to be a relatively small percentage of people who, like you said, are prepared to act, Mm -hmm. uh, but that shouldn't really be discouraging because the other 97%, now you're connected with them. And when that day comes that they do need what it is that you do and they can act, then you know, you're know you potentially the first person on their list. Yeah. And then the other thing you can do with LinkedIn is you can search your own connections. Uh, so let's say you have 3,000 connections and some of your connections are related to your consulting business. And some of them are like your neighbor or all of your friends from <laughs> graduate school. Um you can sort your all of your connections and pull out everyone whose title is CEO, for example. Right. And then uh, if you wanted to reach out to everyone who's all already in, as part of your connections, you have sort of an easy way to, to sort through that and say like, okay, here are all this, the, the founders that are in, in my list of connections and I can reach out to them. Mm-hmm. So it, I think that it also can sort of be a good way to to keep track of people that you've already connected with, right. and and sort through them because again, I mean, you can't really manually sort through three thousand people. Yeah, you'd have to keep a, you'd have to almost use LinkedIn as a as a back end and have a different front end like um, some kind of CRM or something that had links to their LinkedIn accounts or something because the the interface is at least yeah. a bit to be desired. Yeah, um, but like you're saying you know, if you're, if you can get specific about who you're trying to find, it's pretty amazing. Yep. I mean, and I, I don't consider my, my own strategy to be like really that sophisticated, honestly. Um, again, that's why I was a little bit taken aback when you were first like, Oh, Emily, your, your LinkedIn strategy seems to be very successful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Well, there's a couple of components that you do that a lot of people maybe don't do. And I mean, the first one is you do it every day or at least a lot, you know, so you're, well, I do waste, I also waste time on LinkedIn. <laughs> so that is a pitfall. <laughs> fair enough. But I think, I think to be fair, like when I feel like I want to waste some time, I often like click around LinkedIn and I'm sending connection requests. Oh, look, this person looks interesting. Let's connect. Let's connect. Right. So that's, uh, that is something I do almost every day. And it's, um, not really a chore, but I do think cumulatively it, it moves things forward. Right. Yep. So that's one thing is that you do it regularly. And another thing is you're, we've said it a, a bunch of times already, but you're hyper-focused on a, a type of company and a job title within that. So it's extremely, extremely focused and you've got uh, credibility from the new stack. You've got credibility from the, the shared connections 
and you've got a, if you want to use it, you've got a really um, generous ask, like the invite to the podcast or to be interviewed, which is something that as you demonstrate, you know, as you told us already, uh, it can be, you know, can get a yes when someone explicitly said, don't connect with me. And, and still you did and got a yes. So, you know, that those combinations of that combination of things, I think, it pays off. I mean, I know people who don't do all of those and it just feels like this feels like I'm wasting time or this is torture. Uh, they feel skeezy because they feel like they're trying to trick people or something like that. And, you know, uh, and it just doesn't work, you know, it just doesn't work for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think another thing just to highlight is I, I really think of LinkedIn as a tool, you know, it's a tool that helps me execute my strategy for my business. Um, I could still run my business if this were the 1970s and I was calling people on landlines. Mm-hmm. It would be harder. Um, I probably couldn't run it like all remotely like I do now, but I could do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Between trade shows and the phone book and conferences and stuff like that. Yeah, no problem. I do a lot more in-person meetings. I probably have to move, you know, I'd, I'd be in a larger city for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's, it'd just be different technology. The strat, the, the like general strategy would not be different. Right. Cool. Okay. So um, maybe as we wrap up here, I'm curious, do you do anything? There, there's two questions I have for like uh, the sort of point in the life cycle of the connection request that we got to. So one is, do you do anything with the people who connect, but don't engage? Do you like periodically go through and say, oh, thanks for connecting? Or do you try and start a conversation there? Or do you just sort of wait until you're going to do, you know, some kind of campaign where you want to scare up some work because your Q4 looks slow and then go through those? Or do you have like a specific thing that you do with the people who connect but don't engage or reply? This is more, uh, you know, what do I do if Q4 is looking slow? Mm -hmm. I... Um, so because to me, poking around and sending connection requests is something that I do as, you know, a a way to sort of unwind almost I do that very regularly. It's also, you know, sometimes I have like two meetings and there's only 15 minutes between them and, or half an hour between them. I can't really focus on doing something. Um, but I can look at LinkedIn for 15 minutes. So I do that very, very, very regularly. Mm -hmm. Anything more than that. If I'm getting a ton of, of inbound requests and I'm like booked up and I don't really need any more work, then no, I don't do anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, if things are slow or, or if I'm panicking for other reasons that have nothing to do with reality, which <laughs> in fair enough have had that, that has happened. If it's like mid-March and you're irrationally thinking that your work is about to dry up, even though it is not, um, <laughs> then, you know, I'm, I might do that and then terribly overbook myself. Um, but, uh, anyway, yeah, I, I don't do anything. Uh, You know, it's like everything with marketing. I think you sort of have to, you, you, you tailor it to what your schedule is looking like. You're going to do more. If you have less work, you're going to do less. If you have more work, Mm -hmm. but you always do a little. So I do always do a little. That's a key point. It's like you you can't, you know, the night before your dentist appointment, you can't floss 365 times. Like you have to do it every day if you want to get the benefit. And also, so I do a podcast. I've done the podcast now for 10 months, I think. Hmm. Um, I write for the new stack. Um, You know, I have the, the LinkedIn profile. 
uh, I get a lot of people that come to me, you know, they're searching LinkedIn for my name because they read my work in the new stack um, or because they know somebody that I've worked with before. So I, I do have some, I do have a fair amount of, of inbound leads and the work for them that I do for the new stack. It's like somebody's kind of pushing me to do it. Right. Um, it's not entirely, I don't have to be entirely self-motivated, uh, which is helpful. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay. That's fabulous. Um, where can people go to find out more? Like maybe they know someone who's in the Kubernetes space or a startup in a sort of cloud ecosystem or tooling for devs. Where could they go if they wanted to recommend you to someone? Lots and lots of places. <laughs> so um, if uh, you are a listener, um, I would imagine actually a fairly large percentage of your listener would of, of your listeners uh, would be interested in the new stack. So go to the new stack to read my all of my wonderful articles mm -hmm. uh, about cloud native. Um, you can search for me, Emily, uh, Emily O'Meara. You just read the new stack. It's a really cool publication. Uh, so that's uh, place one. Um, then you can go to my website, which is emilyomir.com. Uh, my last name is O-M-I-E-R. And uh, you can find the business of cloud native uh, on my website. You can also find the business of cloud native on, uh, that's my podcast. Um, the business of cloud native is on Spotify and Apple podcasts and everywhere you can listen to podcasts. Um, and what else? I also have a blog on my website that's mostly going to be about positioning and it's mostly relevant if you're either interested in growing an open source project it's there's some focus on positioning for open source projects and then also of course if you are a startup that is in the cloud native ecosystem and then lastly since this is all about linkedin you can find me on linkedin i think the best way to do so is just to search for my name uh it's not a terribly common name so i'm probably the only emily omir on linkedin probably yes Fabulous. Well, thanks so much for coming on and sharing that, uh, your sort of LinkedIn outreach process. I know a lot of people struggle with this and it's, uh, for the right person, it's a, it's a fabulous tool as you pointed out. So if you are super focused down, you know who you're trying to find, LinkedIn might be a great place to go to find them and connect. Cool. Thank you so much. Hey, my pleasure. All right, folks, that's it for this time. I'm Jonathan Stark and you've been listening to Ditching Hourly. See you next time. Bye. Would you like to learn how to get paid what you're worth? How about selling your expertise and not your labor? What about making more money without working more hours? We work through all of this together in the pricing seminar. Registration starts soon, so head on over to thepricingseminar.com to add your name to the announcement list. That URL again is thepricingseminar.com. I hope to see you there. Hey, Jonathan again. Do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing your work instead of billing for your time, or positioning yourself as the go-to person in your space, or maybe productizing your services so you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one -on -one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. If at the end of the call, you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one -on -one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com call.
C-A-L-L. That URL again is jonathanstark.com slash call. Hope to see you there.